And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. This is Talk the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United, and Happy New Year, everyone! Yes, we are back. So much has happened since we last did a podcast just a week ago. Sir Jim Ratcliffe has started his meetings. Sir Dave Brailsford has started his work. Talks have started with Dortmund for a loan deal for Jadon Sancho. Donny's gone to Frankfurt. Regulon's gone back to Spurs. And a number of forwards have all been linked with the club as well. Meanwhile, Victor Lindelof and Aaron Wan-Bissaka have had their contract options triggered. United have negotiated a late AFCON release for Andre Onana. And Casimiro and Lissandro Martinez are both back in training. Have I missed anything? Oh, yeah. United lost again away from home, but it's a new year, it's the same old chaos, and we are back together to talk about it all. Hello, Laurie. Hello, Carl. Hello, Andy. What an intro that was. You've lived up to your your dark nickname that I just bestowed on you there, haven't you, Ian? Ian Intro Irving. Oh, yeah, it's very apt, that, isn't it? Yeah, Laurie was getting excited about men throwing things at dartboards again last (laughs) night, which I, I feel like I've missed the boat. Is he a United fan, you know? Luke the Newt Littler. Is he a United fan, is he? Yeah, he's going to be at the Spurs game. He's been invited, so okay. you know he got got a bit of vested interest in there. Shame he lost, but it was uh, thrilling stuffy. And honestly, even my mum was ringing me yesterday. Are you watching the darts tonight? Like, <laughs> not watched the darts since I used to drink in the Hunt Lane Tavern in Oldham about fifteen years ago. Are we allowed to suggest that uh, Luke Littler could um, teach United's forwards about aiming accurately? You just yeah. have. I also think Luke Littler could probably teach United's forwards about you know not wilting on the big pressure. Oof, oof. Laurie, you gave me my dark nickname. Have you got one for Andy and Carl, maybe? What about Andy Maps Mitten? Sure. You know, he can he can direct his way around the dartboard. Um, and then I had a couple for Carl, you know, Carl Calculus Anchor or Carl Algebra Anchor. Which one are you going calculus. for? Calculus. Carl, what do you reckon? Yeah, Calculus. I'm going to go for Calculus. Very good. It fits, doesn't Very it? Good. You know, you're in the data truck, you're figuring out the angles that United's players are passing from etc etc also you know the trigonometry of the dartboard it it works yeah it's the closest we're getting to doubles and trebles this season isn't it (laughs) (laughs) should we get into it then actually before we do don't forget we are up for the best team podcast at the sports podcast awards you can vote for us if you like we put the details out on our social media accounts over christmas so go and have a look at that we'll stick the info in the show notes as well but we'd love your support as always Um, and we're going to kick off 2024 we're talking about the new era kind of beginning I suppose Andy even though we've got to wait six weeks or so for this Ineos investment to be fully ratified they've begun work they have and it's about the only thing which gives me much optimism at the moment apart from the injured players coming back and it's been a I'm not going to be too despondent straight away in the pod but it was a really rough um, festive period for for Manchester United so I hope that Ineos' involvement can lead to a brighter future with Manchester United. There is lots of uncertainty 
about it. I've got a piece coming out in The Athletic in a couple of days. You know, the staff at United, they don't know what's happening, how much power Ineos are going to get. They want reassurances. That spreads right down through to the, the players as well. But as I've said on previous podcasts, I think it could be a good thing. Not immediately. And the deal's not even been signed off, so we we will have a few weeks before it, it's completely ratified. Good word, that, innit? I like that word. Yeah. Someone's got to change, hasn't it? Because this team have lost nine league games so far, and we only lost nine in the whole of, of last season. And I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to be optimistic about the future with, with Ineos being involved, but they have got a huge, huge job. Yeah, they have. The worst December for 90 years. Uh, Andy was so eager to push that stat. He even mentioned it before they'd lost the same number of games in December as 1933 in the Aston Villa game. You know, on stats like that, I I had to check every single year, December of every single year going back no. to 1933. Because <laughs> some smart arse is always going to pull you up and go, what, a, what about 1949? So well, I, I guess the stats have every to be correct, one. don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah I checked them all. Is, is that why you've got all those books behind you, Andy? Have you yeah, read through every single one to just double, triple check? Well, I was in Brazil, one half, but I was, I was like, I can't come for tea just yet, love. I'm just checking when Manchester United had a, I'm up to had a December as, as bad as this one, and I'm uh, 62 was pretty rough. Don't divorce me. Don't divorce me. Andy, we're on holiday. Come on. <laughs> Let's go back to, to seeing them start work. I mean, we saw... Dave Brailsford at the matches, um, sat next to different interesting people, uh, different people at each of the games as well, which I'm sure you'll mention in a moment. But you've also written about Sir Jim Ratcliffe starting meetings and that's the first sight we've had at him since this investment has been announced. I suppose that's, as Andy's saying, a positive because they're not wasting any time. Okay, we, we do have to wait for the Premier League to give the thumbs up ratify, but Ratify. Ratify. So yeah. I'm just trying to throw another word out No, no, there. you don't need another up. one. It's a good one. Green light. We've got to go for Ratify. Okay. Um, so, and, and the, but they're not wasting any time. They're kind of, you know, getting to grips with the club that they will have, you know, control of I suppose you know the influence of um, and now you speak to different people and there is a little bit of sensitivity around the fact that Ineos aren't officially in yet and so they, they can't be making big decisions or anything like that um, but clearly today Brailsford going into Carrington on Sunday the day after United lost to Nottingham Forest is a significant event because it's it's the first sign of the Ineos era beginning and it's you know described as a kind of looking learning listening period for, for them and for you know Brailsford and Ratcliffe but clearly they will have their own minds on certain issues um, you know the people that know how Brailsford works I think are saying that he will take his time will, will ask the right questions he's not going to go in and kind of make decisions off the cuff he wants to kind of drill down into what's been going on to try and find out if anything can be improved uh, and then I guess make recommendations to Ratcliffe and you know between them sort of figure out how they want to proceed with things once they are actually officially you know in the door um, but I think it is a positive in that you've got these guys that clearly want the club to do well you know it's, it's in their interest you know they paid a lot of money to to get this um thing under their control and at least they're actually on the ground in manchester you know you have had joel glazer you know at a distance in, in washington or in florida um you know avram glazer going to matches occasionally they're not close to it you know they're, they're joel glazer will drill down into absolutely everything but is he really getting the, the true picture by by seeing these people firsthand by being around the situation now obviously you've still got the 
the case of Ratcliffe and, and Brailsford living in Monaco um, primarily. So that, that how much of their time they can spend over here is, is to be seen. But still, this is the first week and they've, they've not wasted any time, you know, getting in there. So it'd be interesting to see what the results of their kind of first meetings are. You know, I'm told that Brailsford met the coaching staff on Sunday. It's kind of like a meet and greet situation. John Murter and, and Patrick Stewart um, led him on a tour around Carrington. He has already seen um, Carrington from his time at, uh, uh, touring with Ineos in March last year, but this was his first time back there. And then, you know, going on to having meetings with Eric Ten Hag and, and, and players. And, you know, so I think it's, it's the kind of start of a process that is, you know, not going to be immediate, but equally it's not going to be such a prolonged period you know, I don't think we're going to have to sort of wait um, sort of weeks and months for sort of the first signs of change to occur. Um, and yeah, as you touched on there, it's, it's really interesting. He was sat next to Sir Alex Ferguson at the Forest game um, behind John Murter, and you know the piece that I wrote. You know, spoke about the tensions that exist between Ferguson and Murtzer so that's an interesting dynamic to kind of unpick I suppose clearly he's going to be speaking to a lot of people and I don't think he's made up his mind on anything I think he's sort of sourcing people's opinions and he's going to make his own minds up on it The fact that they're getting to work so quickly Carl as well suggests that they think that this ratification period is just a formality There's, there doesn't seem to be a great deal of concern on that when you speak to people at United either it's just a matter of process but what are you making of these early signs that we're getting? They are very early signs and we are reading into as much as as we can on what we've got. But what, what are you thinking? It's going to be comprehensive, I think. You know, they're going to do root, the final... They were finally going to get that root and branch cultural reboot we've been asking for at Manchester United since 2018, maybe earlier, um, which means uh, a number of mem- a number of staff could, could be losing their jobs in the next coming weeks and months, um, which touches on what Andy's been saying for a while about while some change is good, some change also means a lot of people will have to be packing their bags and exiting out the door and not just top level brass that perhaps Manchester United fans don't like too much, but also, you know, hardworking people in the scouting department, in the analytics department, in, in catering, maybe. So yeah, it's, it's going to be all change. Um, I can't, tell you it's going to be good change but it is it's going to be something different for the first time in however many years yeah it's going to be very interesting to keep a close eye on it and hopefully it brings something different on the pitch yeah Let, let's do the forest game we've obviously got the Wigan FA Cup tie to preview a little bit later on but Kyle you were at forest weren't you from memory a lot seems to have happened since then I was at the city ground sorry about that someone had to be that was really poor really 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 poor there were if you watched that game on Sky Sports broadcast right before kickoff uh, Morgan Gibbs-White had the Forest players in a huddle and Gibbs-White said, look at their faces, they don't want to be here. And then it cut to Christian Eriksen looking particularly despondent. I didn't I didn't see that. That That's not great at all, is it? I mean, it's, it's clever directing, but yeah. Ten Hag taking off Menu at half-time is one of the worst decisions I've seen from a Manchester United manager in several years. It's a big call, that. <laughs> Why was it so bad, Carl? I'd say it's one of the worst substitutions or lack of substitutions I've seen from a United manager. I rank, I put that up with um, Ole Gunnar uh, yeah. Solskjaer to keep in, yeah. keep in Fred on. <laughs> Fred. Of just, you've completely given the advantage to the opponent. Um, Ten Hag said at full-time, Maynou's energy levels, he's played three games across the Christmas period and his energy levels were a bit flagging, so he decided to bring on McTominay. And he had no regrets over bringing on McTominay because McTominay brought energy. But just the amount of space in central areas that Manu was covering that were just empty because McTominay was there and trying to get forward. It was... Ten Hag 
is in, is cutting an increasingly beleaguered figure in his press conferences. And I'll, if I'm going to be really mean about it, he's an interim manager at the moment. Whether he knows it or not, or whether he admits it or not, he is an interim manager auditioning for his own job. And at this point in time, I don't think he's going to retain his job. Andy, do you agree? I was just getting lost in terrible substitutions there. And before I answer your question, I'll raise Carl on um, Nick <laughs> on. Powell coming on for Juan Mata at Wolfsburg <laughs> oh, <yeah>. away <laughs> when Manchester United <laughs> needed a victory to stay in... in Leverkusen. No, Wolfsburg, in Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg, yeah, yeah. Wolfsburg, uh, sorry. De- December sorry, yeah. 2015, yeah. while we're talking about terrible Decembers, that was another terrible December, but not as bad as December <laughs> 2023. I think Carl's stuff about Eric Tenag is very interesting. I think that his authority is being challenged subliminally by the Ineos thing because the the not from Ineos but from the players because they know change is coming and not every player is behind the manager. I hate the term he's lost the dressing room because it's not true. You cannot talk for 25 different people. They all have their own opinions. There are some players absolutely behind the manager. If you look at the selections he's made, he goes with the players that he can trust. But this whole strategic review has not made Eric Ten Hag's job any easier at all. And Carl talks about him floundering with the media. This comes with with defeats. You can only say accentuate the positive so much and it becomes even harder to do when there are no positives. You know, it's all right, Forest players looking at United saying they don't fancy it. Manchester United had won the previous 11 games against Nottingham Forest. The stats weighed very heavily in Manchester United's favour, but did we really expect United to win, knowing how the team have been wobbling so badly? And it was awful. It was absolutely awful. And five defeats in December. Five defeats in one month. You've got to go back to etc, etc. I think that... Eric Ten Hag has got to get United winning when the players come back. And if he doesn't, I think his job is in absolute jeopardy. I think he gets um, a pass because the injuries have been huge. Even the Forest game, I think there were 10 or 11 players missing. But once your Martinez's and your Casimiro's, etc. come back, if the team doesn't start winning and get some consistency... If the team carries on with this win-lose, 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 6-7-8, 6-7-8, go out the FA Cup, then I fear for his future. And I say that as someone who wants it to work out for him. Really interesting points by the guys. Um, And from the get-go, it felt like Ineos were saying Eric Tanag is the least of our worries when we come into the club. They wanted to know about the recruitment structure and and how certain decisions were made on signing players and, and the kind of finances committed to them. As it's gone on, that kind of resounding uh, sort of support of him is perhaps it, it sounds like you know dwindled a little bit which I guess is just inevitable with the results you can't be backing a manager that's had this many defeats as, as well as as many victories it's sort of feast or famine isn't it but they will it's difficult to kind of say with absolute certainty from their perspective yeah this, this is our guy because they just don't know really until they get in there and find out what they think has been going on and, and as Andy's touched on there what the players think and then also what you know the the coaching staff think and and what Eric Ten Hag thinks primarily as well you know he will back himself absolutely and I think his point about the injuries is a is a valid one that being said you know still in this environment you still need to be winning matches you still need to be doing these kind of tactical decisions in games that sort of 
help the team. Admittedly, though, you know, he has had some illness going through. So Rasmus Hoyland travelled to Nottingham Forest, but was ruled out through illness ultimately. And, and that's a, a really big blow for them, given the way he'd finished the game against Aston Villa. I don't know if that was a contributing factor to the main substitution. But I do feel like there's there are reasons why Tanaga's making certain calls that perhaps we aren't necessarily privy to. So you do have to kind of give the manager some kind of context there. I do feel like it's going to be you know one of those decisions that Ineos are, are you know thinking about because you can't kind of get into a, a situation like United are in and have you know zero hope of making the Champions League, for example. Um, now United will say, you know, people at the club will say, well, look at Jurgen Klopp and Mikel Arteta. I think they finished eighth in their second seasons each, uh, and look, they they got backed and and they've had success since. Now clearly, Klopp had more credit in the bank for his time at Dortmund, you know, winning the league and getting to the Champions League final. Um, Mikel Arteta perhaps not so much. So that was a, a turbulent time for him certainly to ride through that. Um, and now Ineos will probably have that same decision themselves. I mean, Eric Ten Hag, I think has a year left on his contract with the option of an extra one come the summer um, he you know you never know if he sort of picks up some victories he might himself have his own thoughts on the whole situation because at the moment he has quite a strong position in the uh, recruitment structure he's got a, got a veto you know like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had you know he had a veto on signings um, but it feels like with Ten Hag he's got more authority or, or at least you know he's been given that sort of room to, to make his own suggestions for players and, and now you can debate the the merits of that because should a manager really be asked for his um, thoughts on, on every player that comes into the club in the way that you know, he's the one providing the idea. It, you know, in my mind, it should be uh, a, a good recruitment structure, a, a good scouting team that are recommending players, and, and he can kind of maybe pick one that he pre- prefers. Sometimes they'll say, "Actually, no, we really want to back this one." We've spoken previously, haven't we, about the support that Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola get at Liverpool and Man City, and, and the kind of the, the the creative ideas that are, are brought to them, and, and the way that those clubs are able to execute those deals as well—not just find the players, but actually get them over the line. So you can debate all that and. And that is clearly something that Ineos are going to want to get to grips with. You know, what has gone on? How is the how are these players in this club? And what is the kind of overarching idea behind them? It's going to be yeah, a really fascinating few weeks. And, and yeah, Eriksen Hag's future will inevitably come up at some point. Yeah, it will. And it'll be in the Athletics coverage as well. There's been lots of brilliant insight into the start of this Ineos reign and exactly what it means for Manchester United on there. If you're not a subscriber, you can sign up now to The Athletic for just £2 a month for the next 12 months. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. Okay, let's get into the January transfer window then. It is open. Did you hear it slam open? Does it slam open? or does it, I don't know. It might just slam shut. Anyway, it's open. So Manchester United can do transfer business. We've seen a little bit of it already with Donny van der Beek going over to Germany on loan at Frankfurt. I don't know if you class Sergio Regulon as a, a January deal necessarily, but he had a break clause. It's been broken and he's gone back to Tottenham now after making, what, 12 appearances for Manchester United. Um, in terms of the priorities this month, Andy, what, what are we looking at? I asked Eric Ten Hag about this and he didn't want his squad to be weakened. And just the fact that you've mentioned those players going shows that the squad is being weakened. There's so many different versions of the truth as, as regards to what happens this January because if the Ineos deal's not done then that is a complication the people at the club are going to be reluctant to make major decisions because they don't know themselves whether they're going to be in a job in a month or two and the power is just floating around all over the place 
I think fans love the idea of a, a Bruno Fernandes revolutionary January signing, which changes everyone and lifts the mood, but the club are constrained by financial fair play. At the end of November, my understanding was that nothing really was going to happen in terms of January unless one of United's major targets becomes uh, available, which was seen to be unlikely because the best players don't tend to become available in, in January. Now, if players are going out um, like, like Donny, um, if Jaden goes to um, Borussia Dortmund, Regulon's gone, you're short of players then. And will we see a repeat then of the loans that we saw with your mate Valt Vegost coming in last year? Sabitzer? I would say probably you will do, but it is not a straightforward January. It feels as if Reguillon's break clause being activated was to free up an additional loan slot. So you can only have a certain amount of loanees at your club at any point in time. Molasses seems to be rehabbing well, uh, and Dallo seems to be a decent option at left back. Listeners, you might be yelling at me because I've just said that, and you may disagree. Fine. Um, you said decent. It wasn't any more <laughs> than that. Um, Calm down, Carl. <laughs> so, so they've got enough bodies at left back, so they can send Regulon away and then open up a loan spot for another player. Which I'm gonna—I mean, looking at the squad, it feels as if we're in the region for another loan striker, right, Laurie? You teed me up, lovely there, Carl. What what a segue! Yeah, that that was the transfer piece that. Uh, I was asked to to sort of carry out and, you know, as soon as the January window opens, right, okay, what is the situation? And, you know, a January window doesn't go by, does it, with United um, not looking at a a striker. Is Igalo available, maybe? Well, yeah, he he kind of was the first one, wasn't he? You know, the kind of emergency situation. That was a little bit Solskjaer leaning on his connections, you know, in the agency world to kind of get him in and and kind of sort of pushing for that. Opportunistic, again, it's similar to how Val Vegos came in, opportunistic. So, I mean, I kind of feel like that's a little bit what might happen again here. We, we touched on in the piece that I wrote this week about some of the options that are being looked at. You know, you don't have to scout them necessarily, but they are just aware of their potential availability. So, Eric Maxim Chipomoting, you know, over at Bayern Munich, who Sergio Regulon played against for 20 minutes. Um, Thomas Muller, I know he signed a new contract, hasn't he? But I don't know, is there a, a loan poss- possibility there? Because they've both been. Uh, pushed out the team by a certain Harry Kane, haven't they? So, you know, their minutes have been reduced by a guy that Tenag wanted. <laughs> United have been linked for Thomas Muller for, yeah. I want to, it feels like seven years they've been linked to, to Thomas Muller. At least we know this isn't about him getting a new contract this time. <laughs> well, that's it. He's already, he's already got the new contract. And, and yeah, I mean, this is kind of United thinking, right, who, who is, who is available? Who can we get Timo in? Timo Werner as well basis? was mentioned, wasn't he? Timo Werner, yeah, they've, they've checked in with RB Leipzig, I think, to just sort of assess that situation. Would he be available? How much might it cost? You know, I, I, I don't think with any of these, sort of ideas that they're particularly advanced at all I think it's purely you know trying to assess the market and and maybe act if they feel like they need to but if you're in a situation where you know Rasmus Hoyland is ill Marcus Rashford's playing up top it's not ideal really and you've got Anthony Marshall there but you know he's having another season that we kind of expect from him so it it does leave United very light in the strike department and look at the goals they've scored I think they're only um, they've only scored more than two Premier League teams as it stands, right? And Burnley, one of them is Sheffield, Sheffield United, United yeah. who were bottom of the table. It's it's wow. I mean, United are even to be where they are in the league is incredible with that kind of scoring record in the Premier League. 
They've scored less than Luton. That's the stat that stands yeah. out to me. Yeah. Uh, incredible, incredible. I mean, the, the point is, though, that with the Ineos thing not being fully confirmed yet, everything, as we found out in the SEC filing to the New York Stock Exchange, has already been a transfer plan. to recommend plan. that at this point, it's, going it's through that. Isn't it? Yeah. Amazing. It's been written now. Yeah. And those, those uh, drag-along rights that I kind of wasn't too sure yeah, he's on, clarified, he, he's, yeah. he's crystallised them better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, But everything's been written down in this transfers plan that they have seen and kind of given the thumbs up to. So any deviation from that now, then you know they have to be consulted on. I don't think they'd necessarily have to give their authority to, to execute a certain signing, but clearly it, it's... It, is in that mode where they'd have to have a collaboration there but that means that everything that's now happening has already been written down so we'll, we'll get onto the Jaden Sancho situation but that's already been part of the transfers plan to sort of speculate that he might leave on loan same with Donny van der Beek and I guess Sergio Regulon so the idea that United would then go for a loan signing one or two loans I think is, is the maximum has already been kind of discussed now to Andy's point in terms of the, the money you know to jam so Jim Ratcliffe has pledged to commit $300 million to United, um, $200 million of which is going to go in as soon as the Premier League have ratified the deal and another $100 million by the end of the year. So, you know, if they are quick, they could potentially see that squeezing before the end of January, but I'd, I'd really, really doubt it. You know, the idea is that that is primarily used for infrastructure work anyway, but it does say that it can be used for sort of business planning. So that could, you know, mean transfers, I suppose. But it still then comes back down to financial fair play, the profit and sustainability rules in the Premier League that mean that United can't really that they'd have to sell really to, to certainly have to sell to buy and maybe even you know as they're doing with Sancho and, and Donny van der Beek getting some wages off the wage bill to be able to get a loan player in just because it's so tight in those regulations back on the kind of Eric Ten Hag point it is the idea I think from Ineos is that they would get a structure in place first and then go to the manager so you're looking at a sporting director and a recruitment specialist the, the two appointments that we've been sort of told about now whether that actually comes to pass remains to be seen but that is the first point of course so that's why I don't think they would then go crazy in the transfer market this January because they, they haven't got the people in place in my mind that they would want to make those kind of calls I guess as well there's been the talk about the injection of 90 million that owners can put into Chinese clubs financial fair play situations but that is over three years so you know, are you going to want to put 90 million quid in straight away in the last week of January to then be able to get the club to spend money for a manager that longer term you're going to assess uh, in a situation where you're up against it in a difficult window anyway that historically United haven't done much business in. So it's not ideal, is it? You can see why, you know, it may well be the summer before you start to see that the difference that Ineos are going to make on transfer policy. We've teased Jaden Sancho enough, so let's talk about him. Before I get the lads thoughts on the very latest on this situation let's hear from Rafa Honigstein who sent us this voice note he broke the story with David Ornstein on The Athletic on Tuesday that Manchester United were in discussions with Borussia Dortmund over a loan return for Sancho and it's a situation that's changed in the last couple of weeks according to Rafa. Dortmund only two weeks ago said there's absolutely no chance that Sancho's coming back or words to that effect when I spoke to couple of people there so it is a fairly recent development I think it reflects the very poor end of the calendar year where they went without winning six games off the pitch they brought in two new assistant coaches former players and Shine and Bender and on the pitch I think the idea is to bring in somebody who's more happy in possession in a wide area because the players that Germany ha- that uh, Dortmund have are very direct 
Marlon, Bino Gittens and Adeyemi and they haven't really performed all that well. So I think the need has arisen but also the opportunity because I think it's become clear that United were so desperate to get Sancho out of the club and back onto the pitch that they made huge financial concessions. And for Dortmund it's a low risk situation, it's a loan deal. I've been told all in they only pay 3 million euros for the six months. So they got nothing to lose. If it works out, it's great. Uh, for United, I think the upside is very clear. If the player recovers his form, he's suddenly valuable again. He's becoming an asset again. And then whoever is in charge at the time, whether it's Ten Hag or maybe somebody new under the reign of Ineos, they can either benefit from his return or from his rise in value and cash him in. So there's very little downside, I think, to any of these parties for making this happen. Carl, the thing that jumped out to me straight away, €3 million, Euros, apparently, this is going to cost Dortmund over the, the period that Sancho will be there. That's a loan fee and wages included. My goodness, United are desperate to get rid of him for the moment, aren't they? Yep, that's cheaper than what United are renting Amrabat for. It's cheaper than what they they rented Vegos for. It, it's a real sign of the lack of faith Manchester United have on Jadon Sancho and how Sancho now needs to kick on and, and make something of himself in the next six months. Um, I don't think Dortmund would have agreed to this deal if it wasn't so cheap. United are pushing back on that, by the way, the, the actual fee. But but nevertheless, as Carl says, I think there's only one way that Dortmund do this. So it'd be really fascinating to know for sure what the figures are. But even that Dortmund are saying that's what they're committing to is is a valid point to, to talk about. This is the latest, obviously, as we record at, at 10 o'clock uh, on Thursday morning. Anyway, 10 hours going to speak actually at a press conference later. So it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say about Sancho. You know exactly what Ten Hag's going to say. I refer to the club statement, even though there's not been one. Yeah, exactly. We'll bring you news when we have it and then move on. It does show that United are are moving on this though, Andy. I mean, it's not a surprise, is it, considering he's not kicked a football since August. Um, But when you look at the the sort of wider situation of of this, you can see why United are doing it as well. Rafa said a moment ago, but it it does seem like a win-win situation this for United for Dortmund and the player really you know he goes there and plays well who knows what difference that could make for United in terms of selling but also returning to Old Trafford as well potentially nothing's happening with him at Manchester United at the moment the manager has made that absolutely clear Dortmund are 15 points off the top of the Bundesliga they're out of form if anything can lift their fans it would be bringing a proven player back for them and in the eyes of the market he's damaged goods so Manchester United are going to have to take a huge hit on it financially. And it's the same old. This happens all the time. This is Nanny going to sport in Lisbon. This is, I could mention 10 different players where they're on top, top money at Manchester United. Uh, things aren't working out for them. So they go on loan and Manchester United pay, in some cases, 90% of their wages. And United try and push back and say, we don't like to pay too much because... If the receiving club gets a player cheaply, then they're not as inclined to to play them because they've not paid that much for them. But the reality is often very different. Remember Anderson going to Fiorentina, and trust me, Manchester United paid a huge amount of his of his salary because he wasn't figuring at Manchester United at the time. Laurie, in terms of the specifics of this situation with Jadon Sancho, I mean, is this the beginning of the end for him or do you actually think there is a chance that he goes to Dortmund, does all right and could end up back 
in Manchester United's first-team squad for next season under the same manager, a different manager, whatever the situation is? I mean, I think if he was to play under Eric Ten Hag again, there'd have to be a seismic shift uh, from Sancho. I don't think Ten Hag's shifting. And to be honest, I don't think Sancho's really shifting. But, I mean, you know, he wants an apology in the way that he wants it. It doesn't seem like that's forthcoming from Sancho. Could time and dif- distance change that, though? Possibly. You know, we'll see. You, you never sort of write off anything, I suppose. You know, football has a way of uh, sort of confounding you in those circumstances. But nevertheless, it does feel like it's uh, you know, a broken situation, that one, um, given he's, you know, he's training alone, you know, he's having his you know, lunch taken to him in a lunchbox. Um, there's been suggestions that he's not always turned up for training even on his own. I think illness has been a factor there. But clearly, it's not like a situation where, you know, he's been absolutely showing Ten Hag what he's missing really I think he's kind of just thought well I'm not trying to you know prove myself to this manager anymore and you know Dortmund is a place where he's obviously had you know great success previously can he reinvigorate himself there United will hope that you know at the very least it then gets his transfer value back up because at the moment you know which clubs are going to be looking at this guy and thinking well he's not played for six months I'm going to you know splash 50 million pounds on him whatever he's done in the past so they'll hope that he can go away show people what he's about and and yeah get that sort of transfer value raised and then I guess they they evaluate it in the summer it is interesting though that they have followed through on this if if he does go to Dortmund which it does seem you know very plausible right now how close is it do we know I, I don't know I mean because it has come you know by surprise really because all the noises that Dortmund were making we can't afford him you know it's not really the right fit for us but Raf's obviously explained why that's changed I mean I have to give credit to Florian Plettenberg um, over in Germany he was the reporter that broke this um, originally and I think that it, it did cut, kind of you know make you take a step back because it had, just hadn't been really trailed at all but I, I do think that you know even though it's part of the transfers plan that you know uh, you know Joel Glazer and, and um, the football department at United had mapped out to Ineos for them to actually kind of go yeah let's let's crack on with it is a sign of a, of a support for Eric Ten Hag right because he's the reason why Sancho isn't playing I know that there's mm. there's other other factors I don't know I don't know I think there's, there's a reasonable chance that if Ten Hag does not right the ship between now and the end of the season and in the this go okay you're too associated with the old regime we're going to make a change this loan could just be a way of Sancho to get his fitness his whatever back up to speed and then you know April time, you tell Sancho Ten Hag's yeah, not going to be but here. I mean, I mean in the immediate, I mean in the immediate, because people are talking about Ten Hag like you know he might be on the chopping block right now, and I just don't think that's the case. And I, I personally don't think that should be the case because I think that you know the circumstances are have been very difficult. The whole idea of a, a takeover or a shift in the ownership has meant that people aren't necessarily fully focused on making United the best they can possibly be you know that being perhaps players that as you've touched on sort of sensing a little bit of a change of the wind which is why perhaps Sancho even went public with what he went public with you know do you, do you think you do that in a situation of thinking well this manager's going to be here for a long long time uh, and I've got no support in the dressing room he, he's obviously done that with a certain mindset albeit clearly you know I would say it's you're dropping a, a bomb in the situation I do think that there's been you know the structure is perhaps you know personnel above Eric Ten Hag have, have, have just inevitably not been fully aligned fully focused on making that job as easy as it could be because they're kind of you know looking at their own 
positions, understandably, you know, they're kind of fighting for their own jobs, really. So I, I do have sympathy for Ten Hag in that regard in the results this season. And also just, I just don't like to see managers change mid-season, really. I just think that it it just, you know, you, we've had this have before, haven't we, with Solskjaer and Ranić and even Mourinho and Solskjaer. And I know that kind of worked, but then, you know, it, it became a, a, a just, it, it changed the dynamic, didn't it? I don't know, I'd kind of feel like you what you'd, you'd ideally like is for, you know, the right person to be found making sure that United have got the next you know sort of manager in place and, and then make that call but I, I think I don't I'm not saying that that's Ten Hag out at all you know I think that he's done a lot of good work at United and clearly there's areas to improve but um, I just felt that the Sancho thing is it just it just shows that he's not going to go anywhere in the immediate term anyway to, to, to me um, and I could be wrong but I think that that is just a case because he's had this issue with Sancho United yeah I thinking we can save a bit of money on wages and hopefully get a bit of you know transfer fee and, and maybe reevaluate in the summer looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24/7 US based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, then aside from Sancho and and the other aspects that we've talked about, we've seen Manchester United trigger options for Aaron Wan-Bissaka and Victor Lindelof to get an extra year. They've not done the same so far with Anthony Martial and Rafael Varane. What do you understand to be the situation with that, Andy? Martial's not been playing very well and it's common sense. And when he went to Seville a couple of years ago, the idea was that he did well developed some value in the market, but he scored one goal, was a complete flop for them. Came back to Manchester United. He's been getting chances due to a shortage of, of, of strikers because of injuries. Once in every 15 games, he does really well. And we have that same laugh where we say, is there a chance he might realise his <laughs> potential? I think Rafael Varane is, is more interesting because he's on huge wages and something happened between him and Ten Hag back in November, which led to him not playing at Fulham. I don't know exactly what has gone on there, but something has gone on there. 
and he is featured less. It's not clear-cut because when he plays well, such as Anfield, where he was superb, he shows that he is one of the best defenders in the world. And fans are saying, fans are pretty divided on Rafael Varane. He would probably get in Ten Hag's idealised 11 on technical and talent ability. But clearly the manager's looking for different things in the teams that he's, he's picking. I don't know what's going to happen with Varane. I, I've had conflicting reports on, on what he does what he does next. Um, but it's pretty unlike Manchester United not to protect their asset by by offering um, that extension. Because as we've seen, that has been the trend in the last decade. Any player who's doing all right, in fact, even players who are not doing all right, have had uh, extensions triggered. Yeah, that's been an issue, hasn't it? To be honest, for fans, seeing some of the players get contract extensions when they've not been at the top level. I mean, even some of the reaction to Victor Lindelof the other day getting his contract extended was negative, to be fair. I mean, Andy, in terms of Varane, there was there was suggestions a couple of weeks ago that he might be one of the players to leave in January. Do you think that's changed now? I think if there was a stupid offer financially, then that would be more likely to happen. The only place that offer is coming from is Saudi Arabia. Chinese markets totally vanished. I saw the stories linking in with Real Madrid a few weeks ago. I asked a couple of people in Madrid and they didn't think there was, there was much to that either. So it's a bit of a shame because I was really excited when he signed and there were times last season where the cliches come out about him being a Rolls-Royce defender. He is absolutely fantastic, but he's not playing enough matches. He is injured too often and he has become a figure who United fans are pretty divided on. So I think if it was stupid money, then he might leave either for, for him to take a new place where his wages are matched. He's on a massive contract. You do not get players out of Real Madrid like him and Casemiro unless you are playing top, top money in a slight panic as well. And that's what happened with both of them. If you look at when they both signed, it was quite late on in the window for both of them. It was because other players had not come to Manchester United and they were plan two and, and plan three. And then they came in and Casemiro was fantastic in his first season. Less said about what's happened in his second season. And I think the similarities with Varane as well. Another interesting development this week is that Andre Onana is going to be going late to the Africa Cup of Nations. Um, he won't miss any games for Cameroon, but he's potentially going to leave Manchester United after the Tottenham Premier League game and then play in Cameroon's first game in the tournament uh, the following day, which is a, a pretty unique situation. I mean, even West Ham this week had already lost Mohamed Kudus for their game against Brighton on Tuesday because he was joining up with Ghana. So very, very bizarre and totally out of keeping with with all the other side of, of what we've seen from, from players joining up for international duty with the Africa Cup of Nations and the Asian Cup. What have you made of it, Carl? Uh, it's pretty damning of Altai Bayern. Yeah, there is that. If you're the second choice goalkeeper at Manchester United and you're seeing the guy ahead of you decide to to try and play two games in 24 hours because he, he's afraid of losing his position, you're going, hang on, does Tenard trust me at all? Do, do um, we know who's actually pushed hard for this? Is it is it United and Ten Hag or, or is it the player? Uh, I believe this was an idea first floated by Onana. Um, right. Again, because of the 
the strained relationship between him, Rigobert Song, and Samuel Eto'o. Um, he, he's he, he's kind of blasé about featuring for the for the Cameroon national team at this point in time. Um, but it, it's damning. It's really damning. If you can't, if if Bayern there doesn't play against Wigan on Monday, well, I mean, what what sort of, what sort of season is he supposed to have? Um, well, he won't have one, will he? Yeah, basically. And I also think it, it's it's pretty damning to the Cameroon national team to be up to be, to agree with this. I mean, the the idea was initially for Anana to go out to Jeddah, um, where they're doing a a, a, a training camp. And to, and to get use all the methods and, and get used to each other, Cameroon finished third in in the last Afcon, and they're you know one of the sneaky favourites for the competition. Being a favourite for Afcon is always with air quotes, um, but it, it's it's remarkable heft from Onana to say I'll join you at the last minute. It's remarkable heft from Ten Hag agreeing to it. It speaks volumes about what Ten Hag thinks of Bayern Deer, and yeah, I don't I don't like it. It's it's really surprising with Bayern Dane. It's it's a good point. He was Fenerbahce's first choice goalkeeper last year. Fenerbahce are not a village football team. They're the best team in Turkey. <laughs> and and for him not to be trusted, as you say, uh, the Wigan game will be really revealing. This isn't a goalkeeper coming in at 37, knowing full well that he's second, third choice. He's 25 years old. He, he, his stock when he signed was something that made me think, Great, that seems like a really good Sergio Romero class number two. Yeah, and it's funny as well, Laurie, because, I mean, Cameroon have to get out of their group. Obviously, they've got Gambia, Guinea and Senegal in Group C at the Africa Cup of Nations. If they don't get out of the group, then potentially Onana doesn't miss any Manchester United games. But then say they do get out of the group and Onana then does miss Manchester United games, Bayern Deer will have to play anyway. So would it not be better to start at Wigan and... Go like that? Well, I mean, maybe we'll see at Wigan, but he'd think if Onana's delaying his uh, departure that he would play in both games. Although I suppose maybe it's just purely for the Spurs game that that's what they're thinking of. Um, I do. It, it, it's kind of unsettling, isn't it? I mean, it's been a theme of the whole season, really. Ten Hag's been asked about it a lot in press conferences and he's always said, we have a plan, I'm speaking to Andre. And, I mean, United didn't think that... United signed Onana thinking he wasn't going to go to AFCON. You know, he was retired basically from um, Cameroon International Football and so th- yeah, that's been the discussion that they've had with Cameroon you know described as, as cordial so you know okay fine um, but that's their point to them that well we listen we signed this guy without thinking that he was going to miss you know a chunk of games in January um, so yeah I guess Cameroon have kind of thought well okay fair enough I mean does he then play for Cameroon straight away in that first game it's kind of like it is <laughs> it's bizarre isn't it I mean will he even get through security in Manchester <laughs> Airport in enough time to make his flight we all know what that's like it's a fast he's got to make sure he's yeah, I suppose if he's a fast chap we make sure he, he pays for the um, for the entrance fee or, or whoever's dropping him off um, you know whatever it's five quid six quid uh, so yeah it's just it's a really funny situation isn't it I mean you know Bayern I, I I guess he wasn't United's first choice as a second choice, if that makes sense. Um, there was talks with Bart Verbruggen who went to Brighton ultimately. Um, so I don't know if that's part of you know Tenag's thing. Is it is it a Tenag signing? Is it a recruitment signing? You know, um, I think that maybe is is where there's a little bit of. Uh, sort of difference of opinion over his suitability to United. Maybe that's where it comes from. But it, yeah, it does. It kind of says quite a lot. Given Onana, it, it's played well in certain games, but obviously he's had a lot of mistakes. It's not like he's been, you know, incredible, underoperable 
to then get into this situation is is interesting. Yeah, so Onana uh, is a boost, I guess, for Manchester United to still have their their number one around for a couple more matches. Ahmad is a boost as well. He's confirmed that he's not part of the Ivory Coast squad. Strange that there was even confusion over that, really, to be honest, but he's been on social media to say that he's not going to AFCON and he looked actually pretty sharp for a player who not played for several months uh, when he came off the bench against Nottingham Forest. There's no Eric Bailly in the Ivory Coast squad for the tournament either. Andy's been <laughs> interviewing him uh, about his time at Manchester United and before that as well, his journey to the Premier League. Incredible read on the Athletic. But Andy, I was expecting a chat with Anderson, not Eric Bailly. How did you track him down in Brazil? Well, Eric Bailly, after I'd done the interview, where he's like, yeah, I'm going to get back in Besiktas's <laughs> team, had his contract terminated a couple of weeks later... <laughs> It all turned to whatever, and now he's gone back to Villarreal. Interesting in the interview, he was raving about Villarreal and uh, said, I'm still in touch with the manager, so just sort of putting the jigsaw together. Uh, Planting a few seeds. That's what he was doing. Um, Anderson, yeah, I've been in touch with Anderson. He's... um, (laughs) Wasn't that the project for Brazil? I mean, the family thought it was a family holiday, but it really it was just to have a night out with Anderson, wasn't it? My intention in Brazil was to form the Manchester branch of the Fluminense Supporters Club ahead of their World Club Cup final against Manchester City. Anderson's a Brazilian who lives in Brazil, and he has a Turkish mobile phone number. Anderson has got a lot of love, a lot of love to give. He's a very affectionate human. I've seen him enough times to see that with my own eyes. And one of the people he absolutely adores and sees as a genuine father figure is Sir Alex Ferguson. I, you hear players talking about Ferguson, but with Anderson, and I know Fergie loves him, loves him. And he's very sad about what, what is happening at Manchester United is Anderson. He invited me out on New Year's Day. Last time I went out with Anderson... When I went to bed at four in the morning, he looked at me like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm 40 odd as I was at the time. I'm, it's four in the morning, I'm, I'm going to bed. And he just didn't. Just like, sorry, but like <laughs> 10 o'clock the next morning and he'd just been awake all night playing FIFA or whatever he was playing on his computer. He still loves Manchester United. He absolutely loves Ferguson. He's alive and well. He's in Porto Alegre. He's currently on the beach in a place called Shangri-La with his mates, having the time of his life. And 18 years old, stepping up in the Champions League final, smashing a penalty in without an ounce of doubt that he was going to do it. I'll always remember him for that. Of course, Anderson lives in a place called Shangri-La. Where else would Anderson live on a beach somewhere? Fantastic. I presume we'll be tuning in for Manchester United's third round FA Cup tie against Wigan, given he's such a big Manchester United fan. That's the next game for United. I mean, what is it to say? Wigan are 17th in League One, Carl. If United don't get through this, it will be the lowest point of the season without question, won't it? Yep. I. So they're getting through it, aren't they? Yeah, Positivity yeah, at the end yeah. of the pod. Of course, yeah. of course they are. Of course they are. We're, yeah. we're going to get some minutes for a mad... Going to get some minutes from Manu. Do you think we are? Do you think Do you think Tenag will just go with his absolute strongest eleven possible, or are they part of the strongest eleven? Actually, that's the other question. Ahmad did more in the second half against Nottingham Forest than Anthony in terms of attacking for us. I know Anthony's defensively tenacious, but in, in terms of incisive passing and, and contributing forward, yes, okay, his shot did lead to the counter attack that got Forest's second goal, but um, 
yeah, I've been high on Ahmad for a long time. So I would like to, to see him play a little bit against Wigan. Yeah, and 8,000 fans, Andy, at Wigan. I mean, it's always been a brilliant away trip for United fans. I think we've probably all had a day of the uh, away end at Wigan. It's a top away. Those Northwest clubs with huge away ends, Blackburn Rovers being the biggest one. I miss them in the Premier League. I want Preston North End to come up because they give away fans 5,500 tickets, which we got in the Cup in 2015. The FA Cup is huge for Manchester United. This season. This reminds me of 89 90. Fergie's job was under real pressure, and the FA Cup saved him. And if United were to win the FA Cup, which is the only trophy United can win this season, I do think that would be uh, significant. To, to have an away draw is, is a, a turn up, given the draws that we've been having. Close to Manchester, I think it was still oversubscribed by 4 to 1. And United have got to be beating Wigan Athletic away from home. This isn't the Wigan of 10 years ago when they won the FA Cup beating a team called called Manchester City. This is Wigan who've been on their uppers and who are really struggling. Absolute must win. Monday night and, and a good cup run will will lift the mood because it needs lifting. Yeah, it certainly does. I hope we've lifted your mood on this podcast so as we've had a meandering tour across Manchester United's crazy week to kick off 2024. There's never a dull moment, is there? But Andy, Laurie, Carl, thank you so much for your company. Thank you for listening at home as always as well. Happy New Year again, and we'll be back after Wigan. Take care. Bye-bye. I can see close to my heart. That's that's I can see... I want others to... Oh, oh, I'm stopped. Oh, Carl, it's a famous song. I'm going to get it. No, no, no. I'm, you're recording me, you're not. And I'm not going to start singing it because I'll frighten the cats away, let alone you lot. Right, take care. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.